Welcome to TribeCast. I am Forrest Walden, founder and CEO of Iron Tribe Fitness. And on this podcast, I am going to help you find your tribe and maximize your life. Welcome to another episode of TribeCast. I am in Nashville with a longtime friend, mentor, and former coach, Dustin Hillis. Dustin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Forrest. Glad to be here. I am in Dustin's new office, and he is now the CEO of uh, Southwestern Family of Companies, and it's quite the collection of companies. Uh, so we'll get into all that, but for those of you who don't, for those listeners who don't know you, Dustin, give us a little bit of background about who you are and how you got to this role. Sure. So... You know, uh, Southwestern, career-wise, I've been here 17 years now, and I started off actually with Southwestern Advantage selling educational resources door-to-door in our business that is uh, was founded in 1868. And, and that's actually the first business yeah. of Southwestern, right? We started off as a Bible publishing company in 1855. Okay. And then after the war, people were looking for jobs. So we had people go door to door selling Bibles door to door. And then we got into educational reference guides shortly thereafter. And we're actually the oldest direct sales company in America now. Wow. And I'm the youngest CEO at the oldest direct sales company <laughs> Go figure. In, in our history. Wow, so that's awesome. It's been fun. And that's what I started with. So I cut my teeth going door to door and did pretty well. And then from there, started Southwestern Consulting. And me and a team of partners ran Southwestern Consulting for 14 years. And then I was asked to take over as CEO one year, four months, and 23 days ago. Oh, wow. Not that you're counting. Nobody's counting or anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, in today's digital age, are you still selling books door to door? You know, we are growing and it is amazing. So we have uh, this last year an up year and we also not only our headcount, but our production. But the most interesting is our new lead product. So people are, the answer to the question is yes, people are buying books. Um, We did innovate several years ago to create a digital online learning platform called Southwestern Advantage Online. And we have one, uh, Squids, Southwestern for Kids. So it's online learning for little kids all the way up through high school. And it's everything that you need to know from how to read, uh, math, science, every type of subject. And we have thousands of micro learning videos that we custom designed in-house. And it's a subscription-based model. So we go door to door and people buy our uh, web platform to help with their kids' schoolwork at home. Wow. So not only are you going door to door, but you're selling a product that's not even physical. Like you're having to use like a catalog to say this is what you would have access to, I guess. You know, we've had about 200,000 people over the last 160 plus years go through our door to door selling business building program. And uh, kind of what word on the street is, is that we're the, the best salespeople in the world. And so part of that is asking questions, listening, uh, and understanding the needs of our customers. And our customers, this is really a big need that people have is that they're in-home education resources to help their kids. Hmm. You don't just go to Google to look up an algebraic formula and to have a very specific platform where you can go to all of your kids' homework needs. It really has been a resource that people enjoy. So do you still hold the all-time sales record of door-to-door sales over a summer? I'm remembering from several years ago, you 
talk telling that story. Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> and we're working on changing that. I, I just spent the last three days in Atlanta working with the Southwestern Advantage uh, leadership team. And there have been some people that came close. Actually, my very first coaching client ever, and this is one of the reasons that motivated me to start a coaching program, was a, a bookman named Theo. And he was attending University of Edinburgh at the time. And uh, he, after breaking the company record, asked me to coach him. And he went from 8,000 units to 19,000 units. And my record was 20,000 units. So he, he came just shy and... Later on, I think he he admitted that it was out of respect that he didn't break it, (laughs) but that's the closest somebody's come so far. Well, I can relate because I always want to have, in my business, the top locations. I want them to be corporate. But when I get beat by a franchisee, I congratulate them, shake their hand, and then go back to my manager and say, now don't let it happen again, right? (laughs) So I can totally understand that. So when you were uh, Southwestern Consulting, that's when you and I got to know each other. And so you did uh, quite a few things for my organization. You came in taught a sales culture. Uh, You keynoted some of my events. Uh, You did some one-on-one coaching with me for a year, developing my tool set. Um, And so really for that 14 years, that's primarily what you were doing and building, correct? For the most part, we we built, we have a hundred coaches worldwide and we have coaches in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Canada, South America. And we have a operations team where we have customer service. We have uh, marketing, IT. So I was helping build out our departments and make sure we had the infrastructure for growth. The last eight years that I was in charge of Southwestern coaching, we grew at 60% per year for eight years in a row. So it was more than just the coaching side. Uh, it was fun doing the coaching and, and working with people like you. And uh, still to today, you're one of my favorite people that I've worked with. Thank and you. You were super coachable, and, and it was fun seeing you implement mm-hmm. the, the structure, the systems, the scripting. I remember seeing the Iron Tribe training manual for the first time, and it was just like, I felt like a, a proud papa you know, seeing that, yeah. that product. Mm-hmm. and. So, um, and I think that really prepared me for the role that I'm in now as CEO of over 30 businesses that are global, where each one of those businesses, the skills that you develop as an executive coach, um, transfer nicely as a a CEO of of 30 different businesses and helping them create their systems and processes for growth. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention, you talked about the 100 coaches and where all they're located. If you follow Dustin on Instagram, you're going to have like major envy of the type of travel this guy does. So you go and visit all these places and it looks like you get to take some pretty incredible trips. I do. I I thank God every day. I I pinch myself because I feel just beyond grateful and thankful for just having another day to, to be able to help serve people. And it's amazing not only where we get to go, but the caliber of the people that we get to spend time mm-hmm. with. And yeah, some of our team members in Estonia are the most bright, sharp, uh, hardworking people that you'll ever meet. Uh, but not only that, we have Bulgaria, we have uh, the Czech Republic, um, Kazakhstan is a recent country wow. where we have hundreds of salespeople from. And so uh, they're all uh, asking for me to come do some speaking next year. So in October of next year, I'm already booked to go to Bulgaria, Czech Republic, and Kazakhstan. And I'm trying to figure out how to string all that together. 
Uh, but for using an interpreter when you speak, or no, are they bilingual? You know, they they speak incredible English. Okay, and well, that and makes it easier. It does. Uh, I'll be in Estonia in December. We have a big seminar there. Uh, it's a public seminar. This will be my third seminar where the newspapers in Estonia will promote it, and they fill a room, and they all it's like a two hundred euro per person ticket, and they'll have a room full of entrepreneurs, business leaders in Estonia, and I'll speak in English. And so, like, they, what will you be teaching these entrepreneurs? Leadership. Okay. So it's it's how to recruit, train, motivate uh, team members. Uh, executive problem solving, decision making, delegation are just a few of the topics. Got it. Um, okay, and you mentioned with what you're doing now, there's 30 global businesses all under the umbrella. And I saw a, I think it was an infographic you posted not long ago, and it had the Southwestern family in the middle, and then there was just all these logos all around it. And it's, it's kind of mind boggling to think about that. Yeah, we, we call that the Southwestern Galaxy logo. It just was released a few months ago. And we were trying, because there are such a diverse group of companies, to just say, hey, what all's included? It takes you a while to get it out. Yeah. So we wanted to, and our new vice president of marketing, Christy Anderson, has done such a great job on pulling our team together and, and working to figure out how can we tell that story in an image. And so the Galaxy logo now has all those 30 logos around two circles with Southwestern Family Companies in the center. And it's an ever-expanding galaxy. So our vision over the next 30 years is to start or acquire five businesses per year for wow. the next 30 years. Whew. And so that was the vision that I inherited from my mentor and the former CEO and current chairman of the board, Henry Bedford. And so we took on that challenge. And, you know, the bad news is for us that we didn't start five companies in the first year as CEO. But the good news is we started 11. Are you serious? (laughs) So you said started. You started or acquired? uh, uh, Both. Okay. Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, those transactions are not easy. There's legal and back and forth and contracts. I mean, that that blows my mind. It has been drinking through the fire hose. I bet. And, you know, a, a lot of that has been a very steep learning curve. But we have such a, a tremendous uh, uh, infrastructure here. Our legal department is world class. We added a general counsel, uh, Ben Huddleston, to the team, and he is amazing and he's been helping us because you're right a lot of M&A work has to do with the contracts and the fine-tuning we also added a chief operation officer Mike Scholes who is a one-star general from the US Army Hmm. he's led troops into combat he led NATO in Eastern Europe with 30 different countries we added a new chief financial officer Tim Nowak um, who is helping manage all of uh, we have 12 CFOs so now we have somebody working with all of our CFOs to make sure the financial side of the business is in order. And really still having Henry in the trenches with me, helping with the new business development. And Cindy Johnstone is our executive vice president and treasurer. You know, it's, it's a robust team of, of uh, people. And our most recent addition that we're excited about is our new chief business development officer. Um, and he came to us by way of Dave Ramsey's organization, Bill Hampton. And Bill uh, went on to become president and CEO of a um, modular home business. Uh, and he is just a dynamic, uh, energetic individual to help us grow our new businesses and our existing businesses. And you mentioned Henry. Was that the founder? 
Well, Henry is not 168 years old, although he looks like uh, he is 40 years old, and we just have the fountain of youth here. And so, no, uh, he was CEO. He took over from Ralph Mosley, who was CEO prior to him. And there's been a long lineage of leaders dating back to Reverend Graves, who was the founder in 1855. Okay, so I, I just remember from several years ago when we were coaching, you had a mentor that was a billionaire. Am so I remember that Spencer right? Spencer Hayes. Okay, that's who I'm thinking of. So Spencer passed away a few years ago. Okay. And he was amazing. Yeah, we're actually in Spencer's office today, and it's a little surreal being being where Spencer was. Wow. And Spencer, you know, he was, uh, yeah, a great mentor, and he he's the one that had the vision in 1982 when we purchased the company back from Times Mirror to create a private equity plan, and him and Spence, uh, Henry Bedford created the equity plan, and today we're privately held, and we're owned by all the team members, all the employees are the owners of the company. That's awesome. So they're cheering you on as you acquire these new companies, because it just allows everybody to grow. We're all on the same yep. team. And that's the point. Okay. What does the headcount look like, total employees under your umbrellas? You know, it changes as we continue to expand and grow. It's thousands. We have thousands of people all over the world. What about your leadership team that you work directly with? When I first started, I believe I had around 50 direct reports. And as we've been staffing up and building out the bench, it it has become less. And I, I remained on as the head of Southwestern consulting and and um, still have a team and, and people that I work with directly there so uh, that's part of it but I've, I've been working hard to find key people like Bill and Mike and Tim who can, you know all the CFOs were reporting to me and now all the CFOs are reporting to Tim and so those type of maneuvers have been really helpful I used to have our distribution center reporting to me and general services and now those are reporting to Mike our COO so getting strategic about our organizational structure has been one of our, our strategic initiatives. Uh, this is super granular, but I'm just thinking about the time I spend reviewing a P&L on one company. Are you reviewing 30 P&Ls every month and, that, and the 30 sets of KPIs? And That is an income-producing activity for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Okay, so clearly you're at a high level of the game you're over a company that's wanting to acquire five companies a year for 30 years, which would put you at close to 200 if yeah. you hit your target by the time you're done. Tons of responsibility. And so really what I want to talk about and what this show's all about is how do you build something of significance without losing the things that are most important to you in the process, your body, your balance, your closest relationships, your being, your connection with God. So let's start with body. What does that look like? What are your rhythms to make sure you're staying in shape, keep energy and showing up to work on fire great question so you know I, I think back to four years ago when we first met each other and when we first started engaging in consulting work uh, I think it was you that said hey part of your research should be you should start working out here and yes, if, you really, if you really want to know what we do and at the time I was overweight and and I decided you know what that's probably a good idea for us and so I signed up for Iron Tribe and I think I lost 30 pounds mm-hmm. within the first six months to it was quick. a year yeah 
and have managed to stay uh, somewhat in in that same shape. Uh, probably have put a little bit back on, but I think that was a, a good jump start there. Um, today, I would say a, a few things that I'm doing strategically and also with this new role, knowing how important this question you're asking is, is I, I hired a coach. So I have Katie Kovalvik, who's the head of Southwestern Empowerment, and she has a coaching program called CEO Concierge. Hmm. And I am a paying client out of my own pocket where she holds me accountable to my health. She goes through my office and actually reads the labels of what I'm eating. And she's like, this is crap, this is crap. Okay, you can eat this. And she will physically bring groceries that are good for me and take out the stuff that somehow creep their way into my office. Um, Also, I got into yoga to help balance out uh, just more peaceful, meditation type of um, mm-hmm. mindset yep. where I find do, I do, do I do yoga twice a week and I've been doing that for about six months now and it's really been helpful to, to just kind of balance out the help calm your mind a little bit the intensity. help you center yep. that's, that's right and then you know after I do yoga I try to do 10 minutes every morning so I wake up at 5.45 I do yoga at 6 o'clock at my house and then after my daughter and uh, goes off to school and I say goodbye, I try to, you know, between 7.15 and 7.30 to just uh, pray. And, and I sit by myself with a cup of coffee and I try to not think about anything for a little bit and then, and then pray for a good 10 minutes at least. And then around 7.30 is when I shower up and I'm usually hitting my first meeting by 8.30, 9 o'clock at the latest. Okay, so not going anywhere to a gym. You're staying at home, working out there, maximizing your time with your family. That's been a new... I used to go to the gym Mm -hmm. and and now I'm finding I don't have that 20 minutes. So we we, uh, have a gym at the house and uh, I I can do yoga at the house. Yeah, Yeah. I I still have a gym at the house even though I've got... (laughs) Five iron jobs all around me. Sometimes I just want to work out in the garage. Yeah, I get it. Um, so, how does that help center you when you show up and you're trying to go through? You know, what am I focusing on today? And showing up and leading your team and uh, demonstrating all the things you teach, like enthusiasm and energy. How does physical fitness translate to that? You know, I think getting off coffee uh, has been a huge thing for me. I, 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 if I don't pay attention, I could drink five cups of coffee a day. And Katie really challenged me of what that does to my liver and to my um, the peaks and valleys on my energy. So I try to do one cup of coffee a day. It's probably more like two, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest, mm-hmm. uh, which I always am. And so, uh, but then getting sleep. So making sure I go to bed at, at by 11 o'clock is a critical piece of that. And... And also building in vacations and making sure that that at least once a year, if not twice a year, I'm at least taking a Friday, Saturday, Sunday to unplug. Recently, I went to a, a marriage retreat and it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. And I hadn't realized it had been six months since Kai and I had three days where we just mm. talked. And so you don't realize how fast six months can go by. And so it was so rejuvenating to have those three days with her. And we were in Florida 
and just were able to be together. And so, well, let's stay on that topic because I want to go right into balance. And you know, so often what we see is entrepreneurs uh, who grow a business and kind of lose everything, right? And sometimes their marriage burns down. Like, how are you safeguarding that relationship with her? Great question. So we've been married 14 years, mm-hmm. and. It has been, uh, I, my wife is just one of the most amazing women in the world. Uh, her name's Kaya, and she, uh, we met selling books. She sold books for nine years. She was actually the company record holder, and not only did she break the company record, but she broke the company record twice. Then I broke her record, then we got married. <laughs> so I like to say. Uh, a little bit of competition going on there. Well, she taught me everything that I know. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I thought, hey, this is a good one. That is a good so, one. Keeper. And uh, she's just so beautiful, so full of grace, and I'm so thankful. But, you know, marriage has been tough. When, when we were going through our premarital counseling, we had a pastor do a test and he circled this one part and he said you're compatible here you're compatible here you're compatible here but this area right here you might want to pay attention to and it was conflict and we were both off the charts on the conflict area like you can handle conflict no, or you avoid conflict more like we're 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 more uh, aggressive yes. on the conflict spectrum yep and so at the time we're like oh that's not going to be a big deal and and you know as we've gone along we've had to to learn how to communicate and we've had um ups we've had downs uh we've had periods where we we didn't know if it was going to work and and gone through really really hard times i've made mistakes we we've we've all gone through the the valley that Mm -hmm. i think People that are married 14 years are probably nodding their head right now. People that aren't married are probably going, I don't know if this is for me right now. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's uh, for those of you that are, are uh, either newly married or haven't been through the pain yet. The thing that, that I'm so thankful for is the persistence that, that we both decided to stick through it. Because mm-hmm. the easier option is to get a divorce yep. when, when it gets really hard. And um, by making the decision to stay the course, the, the, the gift on the other side of that is so much better than what it was before the storm. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something that, that um, I'm thankful for and, you know, continue. And it's a never ending journey. So there's, sure. there's not like, oh, we crossed the finish line. It's every day. Yeah, you got to work at things re- like your you're traveling together and the marriage workshop like you gotta invest in it yeah when when we first uh got pregnant there was uh it was funny so kaya had two businesses that she was running she had nashville's first mobile fashion truck called the trunk and she had a retail store called sleeveless and i had southwestern consulting that i was running and then all of a sudden we're pregnant and to say we freaked out uh, would be an understatement. It was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know? And so after freaking out briefly, we said, you know what, let's sit down and talk about this. And Haven's coming into our life. We are not going into Haven's life. So we pulled out a piece of paper and we wrote down, what do we want our life to look like once we have a kid? Oh, so good. And we wrote down, it, and it was funny because it was a lot of the little things that were the most concerning it was changing the diapers it was being home on time for dinner it was uh, bath time reading time all these different things and so we wrote them down and 
There was a big one too on travel, and and she said, you know, when you're traveling, gosh, I don't know how this is going to work. So you fast forward eight years later, and I ended up changing about 90% of the diapers, and I'm home six o'clock at least 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a rule when I walk through the threshold of the door that I'm not on the phone, and I don't bring work in with me, and I'm on go mode when I walk in to be with Haven and Kaya. We don't check emails, we're not on the phone at the dinner table, and we're, we're engaged in conversation taking Haven to bath every single night, reading to Haven uh, bedtime every single night, afterwards talking with Kaya and having time with her, and then watching a show, or depends what the show is, I might check some emails depending on mm-hmm. if I actually want to watch If the it's TV. Dancing with the Stars, check, check an email. email. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, a big thing that we decided was called the three-day rule. So in addition to all those daily things was this strategic piece where we decided, you know what? It was really cool, these businesses that she had, but we didn't really need those businesses as a family. And really the, the bigger need was her to be a good mom and raising Haven, and that's the number one job for both of us. So deciding strategically to just let those other businesses go, focus on the house, focus on our real estate, focus on Haven was a big decision. And then deciding, you know, when I'm traveling, if it's more than three days, they come with me. Hmm. And so we call it the three-day rule. And about 90% of the time over the last eight years, that's the reason on Instagram, you know, my, my wife loves Instagram. So, uh, you know, you only post the good stuff. You don't, yep. pop, you don't post the boring, right. <laughs> crazy stuff. Well, you've got some good stuff. And I wondered if so, Haven was homeschooled because uh, she's with y'all so often. You know, it's fun. Uh, as part of the decision-making, when we decided strategically this is what we want our life to look like and we're going to manifest this life we decided we needed a school that fit into our life we're not going to be reactionary and say hey just because this is the closest school to us we have to go there so we interviewed 11 schools and we decided on the school she's going to now Oak Hill based on their attendance policy so it was funny these principals we were meeting with as we interviewed 11 schools only had one question for them which was what's your attendance policy and, and so they understand they totally, what you do you got to travel and when they understand the three-day rule yep. and she's allowed to miss those days what they said was that uh have her bring back something from where you travel to and and do a show and tell with the class and make it part of because the kids wonder where she was sure. and and when they explain it the teacher can weave it into a learning lesson so when we went to france she brought back a little keychain for the eiffel tower and talked about what the eiffel tower is and they made it like a learning lesson. Well, she has been more places than I have. I assure you, it's crazy. Um, but what's neat about that to me, Dustin, is it all started with you being intentional and saying, this is what we want to have. And then not settling for a school that would not allow that. And you say, well, so much for the three-day rule. Like, you made it happen. So kudos on that. Thank you. It, uh, again, I think it's the grace of God that, that he made that a priority in our hearts so well you're making this easy for me so the transition right there grace of god let's talk about being obviously we started with your business we went to body balance let's finish with being that's your relationship with god more specifically with christ talk to me about that how that helps kind of undergird everything you do as a leader sure so yeah that's my identity is i'm saved by grace and that if somebody asked me what my identity is, I would say I'm, I'm a child of God and that 
that has has really helped form all the the principles that that I live by and you know nothing is perfect uh you know uh being human is is a, a frustrating experience for yes, all of us and knowing that that uh that that jesus uh was the model uh really helps give me a map i had a friend uh try to wax philosophically with me recently and was trying to talk about denominations and this and that I was like, man, you know, the problem with all religions is that humans are the ones that are involved and and humans make everything weird. And I think that that model is something that I can understand. And, it, and you know, at Southwestern Family Companies, we have every different type of belief that you could imagine. And we love every single person equally. And it doesn't matter what your background is and what you do. We have clients of every shape and size, and that's just my personal thing mm-hmm. that I understand and I connect with. Uh, but I, I believe that grace, love, and mercy is something that is is there for everybody who, who wants it. So it started 100 and whatever years ago as selling Bibles door to door. Was it a Christian company? when it, Was that part of its roots? You know, I wasn't around in 1855, but I would guess that uh, Reverend Graves, so mm-hmm. he was a reverend, okay. uh, had a vision that everybody in the South needed a Bible. And he actually, it was it was a little risky. You know, this was around the time of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So he actually had to smuggle plates across the Union line to get them to Nashville to print the Bibles. Interesting. And actually, at one point, it was so... Uh, uh, dangerous that we moved the corporate headquarters to Memphis because Nashville became a, a battle zone. And, wow. and so I, I would like to think that he had his heart in the right place. You know, uh, you never know. A lot of people claim to be a lot of things, but mm-hmm. until you know the intent of their heart, that's really what it's all about. So what do the rhythms look like for you uh, to make this a central part of your life? You mentioned uh, the meditation and the prayer in the morning. Um, are you members of a church? Do you have a small group? Do you have an accountability group? How, how do you live this life? Yeah, great question. I seek out counsel and, and coaching. And so I have a spiritual coach that I meet with. Uh, Bill Howard is an amazing man. And and I meet with him uh, every so often and keep in check with the spiritual side of things. I have a church, uh, Church of the City, East Nashville, that I love, and Matt Smallbone is my pastor. He's a great guy, great friend, and and he's a just a, a good Aussie. And so, and then and then just friends. I think that our community is is the most important, mm-hmm. and having friends keep keep us in check and and know what's going on and be aware of 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 the temperature and how things are are going and. You know, uh, people ask all the time, wow, man, you got a lot going on. You got to be really proud of yourself. And it's like, don't worry. I have plenty of people in my life to help keep me not feeling uh, too proud of myself. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. I think pride was the sin of the devil. Mm -hmm. And and that's something I'm so thankful for is, is just reminding myself that I have equal value of every single person we work with from the people that are... Uh, brand new in our company at every level and the people that are in the distribution center and and 
doing whatever it is that our businesses are needing to the janitors to myself we're, we're all humans and we're all together and without us all working together then none of it works mm. and that collaborative mindset i think would be so important with this conglomerate of what you're growing i mean you've got all these teams like some of them aren't even connected right and you're managing them all so that's a that's an awesome approach what would you say to the listener who's like, man, I hear what he's saying. I want to be intentional about my life, but I'm just not clear. Would you? Does it start with the sheet of paper and mapping out like this is the vision for my life? Vision is the number one thing that I focus on as the CEO of Southwestern Family of Companies. It's my favorite topic. And there's five steps to vision mastery. Step number one is your vision baseline. That's where the real work is done. And that's answering questions like, why do I do what I do? Why am I here? And then going to the next level, once you start with why, as Simon Sinek would say in his book, Start With Why, you would then drill down to the be do haves so this is every guru out there talks Mm -hmm. about it but Mm -hmm. the reason every guru talks about it is because it's true you need to know what kind of person do you want to be or be more like that's the most important part of your vision so if you were to die how would you want people to describe the life that you've lived Mm -hmm. and you need to very clearly identify that I would say write down 10 characteristics of the type of person you would want to be once you have at least 10 then the second piece is what do you want to do and it's funny like you were saying when when you look at people's instagram and i've seen yours too Forrest, where you've been skiing and doing pretty epic things yeah yeah and you know it's amazing the people that you see on social media doing epic things typically don't accidentally do that that's right it's i remember you talking about your ski trip Mm -hmm. long before you went and did it Mm -hmm. and that was was, on my vision board it was on your vision board and so i think making a list of 10 things that you want to do whether it's skiing, whether it's uh, for my my dad, he wanted to do grandparent weekend. And that was a huge goal of his. And he talked about it for years and now it's happening. And do a grandparent camp. Speaking of your dad, I think <laughs> one of the coolest traditions I see is your, I mean, how many years y'all been doing this annual fishing trip? Uh, yeah, that's a doing uh, goal that we have every year. It's 29 years in a row of I mean, the Hillis Boys fishing trip. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm jealous. I would love to have done something with my dad like that. It's really cool. Well, you know, what's interesting about the be, do, have is people want to start with the do and the have and not ever focus on the be. Like, right? I mean, isn't that the temptation? Actually, most people start with the have. Have. So that's what we find is a lot of people see some movie like The Secret or some book like that, or they hear some guru say, oh, you know, you need a vision board. And then they start flipping through a magazine that doesn't mean anything to them. And they go, oh, I want a motorcycle. Oh, I want a boat. Oh, I want this. And it doesn't have true purpose. So by following an exercise where you actually start with what you who you want to be, then you think about what would that person do? The have just becomes a byproduct. Mm-hmm. So we actually find that most people start with just random things they want to have and they talk about it a lot, but then they never actually become the person first. So it's like becoming a millionaire, you know, if you want to be if you want to have a million dollars, you first have to act like a millionaire, mm-hmm. think like a millionaire. Mm-hmm do the things that that millionaire would do, form the right habits, 
And then what's funny is by the time your net worth is worth a million dollars, you don't even celebrate it. No. It's not even a big deal. Yeah, at it's, all. It just happens. It's yeah. like, oh, well, I've been being like that for so long. Of course, now mm-hmm. that's what it is. So what would your biggest recommendation be to someone who wants to become more intentional about how they want to live their life? If somebody wants to be more intentional about how they live their life, start really thinking about your purpose. Start really digging into why you are here. I was in Atlanta meeting with one of our younger leaders at Southwestern Advantage, and she was asking this question of, of how do you have confidence? How do you have that belief? And you really have to, to align that with your, your, your core values, your DNA, and answering questions like, what's your destiny? And, and this is something I ask every group that I speak with. And the amount of people that have a concise answer to what their destiny is, it's a little shocking. I mean, think of it. People are going through their whole life and they've been doing what they're doing for 30, 40, 50 Mm. years. And they've never taken the time, even an hour, to sit there and think, what is my destiny? And it's an interesting question to really ponder. And a lot of people think, man, that's philosophical. And, And some people could respond to that saying, I just need to climb a mountain and stare at a waterfall to have my destiny revealed to me. Right. And it reminds me of a scene out of The Last Samurai where Master Katsumoto is looking at impending doom over the battlefield. And he looks at his friend and he says, do you believe that a a man can change his destiny? And his friend looks at him and he says, I believe a man just does what he can until his destiny is revealed says the great philosopher Tom Cruise. <laughs> and, and I really think that that is the idea. I think your destiny is revealed through other people and action. So the more people that you can serve and you put your heart not on yourself, but your heart on helping other people and sheer volume of helping as many human beings as you can, mm. people speak truth into your life. It's something that's been happening since the beginning of time is is people speaking over other people. And I bet all the listeners can think of at least one person in their life right now that spoke truth into their life that revealed something about themselves that that they latched onto going, you know what? That is something that I'm I'm helping fill a need in the world through. And so I really think taking the time and looking for those answers, so many times people can speak truth over you and and you don't hear what they're saying Mm -hmm. so if somebody is really searching for their purpose and they really are searching for that question and they're praying about it or thinking about it the answer will come to them it will and uh, you were instrumental in my life speaking truth to me the only reason i had a vision board is because you made me do a vision board and i knew about it i'd seen it but i'd never done it i gotta be honest i still have it I still look at it. Um, A lot of it's been achieved. Some of it's still yet to be achieved. So I just appreciate your impact on me. It was great catching up with you. Thank you so much for carving out some time for us. I know you're super busy, but thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Forrest. It was great being here. All right, Dustin. We'll see you next week on Tribecast. 
Thank you for tuning in to today's Tribecast episode. I hope you gained valuable tools that will help you maximize your life across body, being, balance, and business. If you found value, then make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. Every bit helps. If you want to communicate to us, send an email to tribecast at irontribefitness.com. A lot of the feedback I've gotten has uh, been around the subject of if I do any kind of coaching. Um, and I have made a few slots open to those who want coaching uh, in their business and in their personal life. So if that's you, hit me up and we'll talk. Uh, see you next week.